Scene 1. Setting. The Mount of Olives. Luke. Chapter 22. Verses 39 to 52. The full moon lit up the long ridge paralleling the eastern part of Jerusalem and the Garden of Gethsemane, as I knelt beside a rock, all alone, praying and thinking of you. My disciples were a stone throws away, sleeping. Only a few short moments ago, just before twilight, the pink glow of the sunset cast a flickering radiance on my people of Israel, who had begun to make preparations for the Pesach, the sacred Passover feast, which they celebrated once a year to remind them of their miraculous exodus from slavery in Egypt. With my head bowed solemnly, I contemplated the arduous path I would walk before the lambs would be slaughtered tomorrow at three o'clock in the afternoon, less than twenty-four hours from now. I had just finished eating the last supper with my disciples. In this final precious time together with them, I had attempted to etch an image into their minds regarding the events that would follow. I knew they could not fathom what I meant when I said, With desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will not eat any more until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 22 verses 15 to 16 As I washed each of their feet, one by one. I took note of their bewildered faces. Each of these men, except one, would understand later what I meant when I explained the actions of a true servant. The greatest among you will be a servant of all. Each of their precious feet will walk boldly after my death and resurrection, spreading the good news of my salvation. But I knew, as I expounded on the events to come, they were not fully aware of my father's plan, just as many of their contemporaries did not understand the first coming of their Messiah. I knew that tonight would change their lives forever. As they squabbled among themselves about who would be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, I spoke the words that sliced the air like a knife. Truly, one of you will betray me. My disciples were very sorrowful when they heard this and discussed among themselves whom it might be. The twelve were very close. How could it be any of them? they wondered. I caught Judas's eye as he dipped his bread into the cup. I knew what he would do. He knew what he would do. He had already chosen the crooked path that lay ahead of him this night. Woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed! It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. I felt sad for Judas as I spoke these words, but I knew his actions would not be altered. He had made his decision. I would now need to focus on my decision, a decision which held more weight than his, more weight than any human could ever imagine. During the dinner, I felt so close to my beloved disciples. Peter, James, and John, who sat so very near me, hanging on every word I spoke. As I broke the bread, I wished this time of fellowship would last forever. 
in one sense it would last forever, as I was to become the bread of eternal life. Take it and eat. This is my body given for you. As often as you eat, remember me. Luke chapter 22, verse 19 As the disciples passed the bread around the table, I was certain my sincere followers did not understand what I meant. How could they? The ways of my Father in heaven are much higher than the ways of man. His thoughts are much higher than their thoughts. I took the cup of wine and gave thanks to my Father in heaven. This cup is my blood of the covenant between Yahweh and his people, which is poured out for you and for the world. Truly, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 22, verse 20 Even though we sang a psalm together after the supper was over, I could not shake the heaviness in my spirit as we headed toward the Mount of Olives. I wished the feasting with my loved ones could have lasted all night, but alas, I knew what lay ahead. I knew what I must do. I would become the feast of Israel. I had prophesied to them that they would all fall away because of what I must go through tonight. This very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Matthew chapter 26 verse 31 Peter determined to be steadfast to the end, had quickly declared, Though they fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Although I appreciated his bravery, I was deeply acquainted with his secret heart, as well as his innermost thoughts. This gregarious fisherman, who had become one of my first disciples, was physically strong and willing, but the strength that would be required this night would be not one of the body. The strength tonight would be one of the soul. Peter, who had been called Simon, would emerge as a rock on which I would build my church, but not until he had endured a great trial. He did not understand when I said to him, Simon, 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 Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Peter replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. But I answered firmly, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. Luke chapter 22, verses 31, 32 and thirty-four. The time had come for the Son of Man to be lifted up. As we continued our journey to the garden, also called the oil press, on the lower slopes of the Mount of Olives, the golden lantern moon cast a shadow of my body onto the hillside. It was a long shadow, a looming shadow, a shadow of death. I reflected on David's twenty-third psalm, as I walk through the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. 
discomforted my soul. I thought of my disciples' faces before we parted, as they questioned me with their eyes full of wonder. I returned their gaze, looking deeply into each of their souls. I would overthrow the Roman government in a few days. They might have been asking themselves if they had the courage to fight for my kingdom. Possibilities and scenarios of the events to come crowded their minds, but I had already spoken. As I soberly left to pray, I asked them to join me. Stay with me, and keep watch with me. But alas, they were very sleepy. I had to keep alert. It was vital for me to keep watch. I watched and prayed, for after all, I knew what I must do. As I began to pray, I did not notice the beauty of the moon's shadows playing softly on the branches of the olive trees, for all the while I was thinking of you. My soul was sorrowful, even to the point of death. My knees began to ache, for I had been here quite some time. Tears began to fall as I prayed for you. The tears felt heavy. Each tear seemed to represent one soul, each precious human soul of every generation who depended on me at this moment to make the decision that would save their life forever. Great drops of thick red blood began to fall down my face. I had never sweated drops of blood before. I asked my Father in heaven if there was any other way, for I knew the decision I had to make. I was thinking of you, as well as all of humanity, hanging in the balances between heaven and hell. I was fully aware of the cup that was set before me. I knew the liquid I must drink, the liquid of my Father's perfect judgment, the price of redemption. The cup contained the bride price for each soul. The Father's price for His beloved people would require a blood sacrifice. The cup I must accept is the will of the Father. The cup contained molecules of you, your life, your decisions, your sin, your death, but more importantly, your inherent need for atonement. The cup held the Garden of Eden, the fall of humanity, the sins of Adam and Eve, as well as the sins of every person who had ever lived, who was living now, or will live on the earth after tonight. The cup held the solemn words, No other way but His way, the perfect way, the way, the truth, and the life of me, Messiah, Jesus. If I died for many, the way would be complete. I contemplated the way which would be paved in my blood as I prayed and wept. Father, if it is possible, if there is any other way, let this cup pass from before me. I tasted blood on my lips and tongue as the drops of blood streamed down my face into my mouth, only a foretaste of what was to come. I heard a band of soldiers approaching in the distance. I could hear their angry voices. 
but they faded from view, for, after all, I was thinking of you. Small rocks were now embedded in my knees. My stiff shoulders drooped. My head throbbed. The blood seeping from my pores had soaked my robe. I knew what lay before me this night and the next day. The road stretched into eternity, planned many yesterdays ago unto countless tomorrows. The scarlet thread of redemption was woven into these words I would utter with great effort, an effort that echoed the grace of God throughout all time. I saw my Father in heaven. I sensed his heart beating for you. I felt his love for you as he longed for you to be near him, to be close to him, to be in fellowship with him forever, never again to be separated from him. For if you had seen me, Jesus, the Messiah, you would have seen the Father's love poured out for you. I am the face of Yahweh. I pictured my father's heart breaking for you and weeping for you as my heart had wept just moments before. My heart beat in rhythm with his heart, for I and the father are one. As one we created the heaven and the earth. As one we breathed our holy breath, the Ruach HaKodesh, over the face of the waters. As one God, Elohim, Father, Son, and Spirit, move with compassion tonight in the garden. Together, though separate, loving, breathing, sacrificing for you. The Father giving the Son, the Son giving his life, the Spirit comforting your soul as you feel comforted now so you may be together with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit forever. Elohim, the plurality of God in one, who holds the universe in the span of his hand, created the beginning and the end. In Elohim was the word, me, the Messiah. The word was with Elohim, and the word was Elohim. The word, your Messiah, made all things. I had become flesh and lived among the people on earth now for thirty-three years, with the heart of God, but with the flesh of a very tender man. I knew it was time to finish the work that I came here to do. I would accomplish my Father's will to be the Savior of the world, Yeshua of Yahweh. I saw you in the distance, not yet born. I was thinking of you, as I am thinking of you now. I did not have to drink the cup. I did not have to make the choice. I was God after all. Yet all the while, I was thinking of you. My Father in heaven sent an angel to strengthen me. The angel of the Lord laid an unseen hand on my shoulder. I could feel the warmth of his presence. One day, when you feel utterly exhausted, when your heart is in severe pain, pouring out blood mixed with tears in your garden of decision, my father will send an angel to strengthen you, for after all, he is thinking of you.
I lifted my weary body. The poignant time of prayer was my last moment of freedom I would experience before my crucifixion. I looked over at the bodies of those who had said they would always stand by me. I asked them why they were sleeping, for they ought to be praying, in case a time of great testing came upon them, a time to try their faith, to see if it was pure, made of gold, to see if heaven was their goal or if earthly desires were their aim. Many of my followers throughout the centuries would hear my same plea. Watch and pray. Many would sleep as well. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I was alone then, and would be alone now until the end, which is really the beginning, as I accomplish my purpose on this earth. All the while, thinking of you. Wake up, disciples. I said to Peter, James, and John, Look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. The Roman soldiers came with swords and clubs with which to take me by force. They appeared along with the scribes and Pharisees who taught the Torah daily in the temple of Jerusalem. Bursting on to our humble scene with great force and fleshly might, they shouted, Where is this Jesus of Nazareth who calls himself the Messiah? Judas who was among them, greeted me with a kiss. Rabbi, shalom, he cried loudly. Rabbi, teacher, the one we followed. His nervousness must have caused him to raise his voice louder in an attempt to drown out his wretched decision he made only a few days before. His decision to betray me, his Lord, his Messiah. He had one eye on me and the other on the soldiers. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Judas, with his divided heart, teetered on a very jagged ledge. Judas, my good friend, my follower, was not an enemy. If he were, I could have borne the betrayal much easier. He was one who took great interest in me and my ministry. He sat very near me, kept my accounts and records, so that I would not become burdened with the shekels or coins of Caesar. He, however, became very burdened with coins. Thirty pieces of silver caused him to betray me, his Lord. That is why it is so important to serve God and not money. One becomes enslaved to one and hates the other. Judas, hatred ingrained in his heart, or perhaps fear which coupled with hatred proves to be a fatally flawed combination, had betrayed me. We had taken sweet counsel together over the past three years through the Galilean countryside. We had worshipped in the temple. In love and purity, we had fellowship as we fed the five thousand. When he approached me, I looked at him with eyes of love that seemed to pierce his soul. I was not condemning him. I loved him. He was one of my own dearly beloved twelve. With the mind of a man, I hoped that even now he would turn from his destiny of destruction and run away. But with the heart of God, I knew his decision was cast long ago. Judas had condemned himself 
and it grieved me so. I kept staring at him, in this moment, frozen in time, but he would not look at me. He cast his eyes to the ground and quickly turned away. I could smell the sweat of his brow. It was not the same smell of perspiration I had experienced in the garden where I had just prayed, the sweat of self-sacrifice. No, it was the haunting, bone-chilling, clammy sweat of guilt running down his face and his hands. Even though he wiped his palms together many times, he could not shake the perspiration nor the chill. You might know the feeling, impending doom with no escape, when you have done exactly as you planned, only to find out your plans are perspiring with perversion. You are enslaved to your desires, cursing the coins you once counted, as you perish in a field of blood hanging by your own device. But Judas was not thinking of this. He had stopped thinking. If only he had returned my gaze, perhaps he could have found forgiveness in my eyes, for I came to die for all men and women. All who look on me with a humble heart can enter into my grace. But as he slithered away as a snake, crawling on his belly through the grass, I said, O oh, Judas, do you betray me with a kiss? To be betrayed by a friend is the worst betrayal of all. I could have stopped him, but I was not thinking of him any longer. I was thinking of you. The day you would be betrayed by the one that you loved. When someone you trusted, someone with whom you were deeply intimate with, orders a secret counsel to lynch you behind your back in order to accuse you of wrongdoings you have not done in an attempt to sell you in exchange for someone else, you can be comforted in the fact that I too was betrayed. I know how you feel. If you, by your selfish desires, are the one who has betrayed someone you love, don't run away. Stop. Lift your eyes and look at me. I am thinking of you, and my eyes are full of forgiveness, of compassion, of love. You can be forgiven. Even now, I am thinking of you. I am Jesus, your Messiah, your great high priest, your advocate, who stands at the right hand of the Father in heaven, making intercession for you daily. Hold firmly to your faith in times of trouble, for you do not have a priest, a rabbi, or a lord who does not feel your weaknesses. Your Messiah has experienced the depth of every person's feelings. In all points, I was tempted as you are, yet I was and am without sin. Because of this, you can come boldly to the throne of God to obtain mercy. Come, you will find grace in your time of need. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 15 to 16 When you need me, you have a God who had become a man so that you, as a man, woman, or child, could have access to Yahweh by grace. It is for this reason, tonight, in the garden, I am willing to lay down my life. For you, I was able to utter the words to my Father. Not my will, 
but thine be done, for I was thinking of you, as I am thinking of you now.